0: Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Well, so good to be here this morning, and uh, first of all, uh, what a privilege and honor it is to be here in Canberra, and uh, some, you know, I, I came from, apparently it's called the Sunshine State, but it's resembled nothing like that for the last six months, it's more like the Rain State. I don't know, I come down here and it's like blue skies, and it's all looking pretty good, Last couple of days. It's good. Great to be here. Big love to your pastors, Paul and Mel. How many of you love Paul and Mel this morning? You love these guys? I do. And, uh, you know, I think one of the great honors that we have along the way in the Christian life is not just all that God does, but actually all that God connects us to the people God connects us to, the relationships that God brings into our world. And uh, Paul and Mel are two of the finest people that I've had the privilege of getting to know. And uh, they are incredible people. Love their generosity. Love their faith-filled attitude to life, love their sense of humor, and uh, just incredible people. And uh, I want to show my appreciation to them as well uh, because I think these guys are amazing. So, would you give them another big hand this morning? Just <laughs> thank them today? the day. And uh, just to tell you about my family, uh, I'm standing on a stage right now, so you probably appreciate that I'm, I'm relatively tall. I'm about six foot five. My wife, Wendy, and I, we have three children: uh, they are 18, 15, and 12 years old. And I'll, just want to, I'll show you a little photo of the fam. I think we're going to put it up on the screen right now. Have you guys got that photo? That's up there. Coming. Oh, well, it's all good. They're, they're, they're three teenagers. They're 18, they're 15, and they're 12. But let's just put it this way. Uh, one of the things, my wife is six foot tall. I'm six foot five. So one thing we decided early on, there's pretty much no chance of there being any halfbacks or jockeys in our family. That didn't happen at all. And uh, so my son, who's 16 years old, has just gone through six foot seven. He loves to come up in the kitchen and pat Dad on the head and just say... He just looks at me and says, I've got you, Dad. And uh, how many of you know that just rolls me up? <laughs> I just, but he loves it. I love him to bits. He's awesome. And I love our kids. They're great fun. But I tell you, we've had some moments recently where uh, my son actually has just got his learner's permit. So I just turned 16, got his learner's permit. And, um, you know, here's what I've discovered. There's no greater way than to, to make sure that you are right with Jesus than to be the father who sits in the passenger seat as your 16-year-old son drives your Pajero Land Cruiser down the highway at 100 kilometers an hour. It's one of those moments where you're like, it's, it's a good moment to make sure that our faith in Jesus is good. And uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, I love a family. And, uh, but, you know, last year, I was sharing this with a couple of guys yesterday. Last year, in the middle of all things COVID, um, I had a phone call out of the blue from a guy I went to school with by the name of Duncan. And Duncan called up. And I was like, hey, how are you going? He's he great. He goes, oh, we're, I've decided to do something a bit out of the blue. And I thought I'd reach out. And I hadn't spoken to Duncan in a while. Uh, it's been a while since I've been in school. And he says, I oh, remember like, our basketball team at school. He goes, I reckon it'd be a great idea if we reformed our basketball team from school and let's play in the over 35 men's basketball competition. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. This would be great. Can I just say this, and I've been playing now for about a year, there is no greater way to discover that you're over 35 than to play sport in an over 35s competition. I'm fairly certain uh, that between the 12 of us who play on this team that we have managed to keep pretty much most of the physiotherapists on the north side of Brisbane in business over that last uh, 12 months. Anyway, we got really excited. We were reforming the team. And we started with a WhatsApp group, as you do. And there's a lot of excitement, a lot of banter going on. He'd managed to get pretty much all of the guys who played in school together, which was a miracle, to agree to play. And so we're getting excited. And Dunk's like, man, I've got, I've got the best idea for the jerseys we're going to wear. We have to get team jerseys. He goes, because we're kind of like from the 90s, he's like, I've got dream team, USA dream team jerseys that I picked out for us to wear, the originals. And he goes, we're going to put like the names of the players, Jordan on the back and all that. So we're so excited. Like we are, we are pumped. We're ready to go. It's like the big game. We're going to be wearing the Dream Team jerseys. This is going to be amazing. I remember we turned up before the first game and we're outside waiting to go. Duncan arrives. And so we're expecting, here's the new kit. Here it's all ready to go. Duncan pulls up. He opens up the bag and he says, I'm sorry, boys. There was a problem with the supplier. The Dream Team jerseys haven't arrived. But just Don't worry. Uh, I stopped on the way. So where did you stop, Duncan? He says, Kmart. He reaches into the kit bag and he pulls out 10 red tank tops, 10 red Kmart singlets. And he says, this is our jerseys for the day. And so, oh my goodness, this was, a, it was the funniest scene ever. We went, we got changed. So here we are, we're on the sidelines of this basketball game. We've got 10 red Kmart bond singlets, they're truckers singlets that we put on. And we're standing there before the game. And uh, at that moment, someone goes, hey, Duncan, what about numbers? We haven't got like numbers for our, our, our jerseys. And he's like, that's okay. I've got that covered as well. Duncan reaches into the bag and he pulls out the masking tape, people. The masking tape. So here we are before the game and we are masking tape the numbers on each other. But it gets worse. We happen to be playing the defending champions from the last season who happen to be in the full LA Lakers kit and they were warming up before the game. Have you ever heard the saying that uh, you're beaten even before you step on the court? That was us. We got hammered. That game was by over 30 points. We're in our red trucker singlets from Kmart. Second game, the jerseys still hadn't arrived. We got hammered again. Second game in a row, we got hammered. But before the third game, we turn up and Duncan goes, the jerseys have arrived. Not just jerseys, but shorts, the whole thing. And I remember as a team before the game, when we weren't having to put on our red Kmart singlets and we put on the dream team uniforms, can I just say without exaggeration, there was a total metamorphosis in our team. We, we transformed into a different team. They go, I don't know what happened, but we wore those dream team jerseys. And I tell you what, we played with more skill. We played with more ability. We played with more confidence. And to our great, uh, to our great encouragement, we won our first game with our dream team Jesus, Come on, let's celebrate. That's something to celebrate. We won a game. Well, here's a point. You know, in basketball, what we wore mattered. You know, it did. Actually, it, it, what we wore actually helped to, to change us, to transform the way that we played, the way that we saw ourselves. Do you know the Bible actually says a very similar thing about relationships? It's, it actually talks about relationships, but it talks about that what we clothe ourselves in really matters. That in Colossians 3, verse 14, it says, Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Clothe yourselves with love. In other words, it says, above all, put on love. What the Scripture is saying is that the most important thing when it comes to helping relationships work, the most important thing that, that we can put on that will help our relationships flourish and prosper is that we clothe ourselves in love, in love. Now, let's just dive over here for a minute and say this. Well, what is love? Because our world tells us all kinds of things. Well, love is love. But the Bible says, no, that's not the case. You know, what is love? Do you know there was a group of people who wanted to find out the answer to that question? What is love? Is love a feeling? Is love an emotion? Is love a commitment? Is love just some intangible force in the universe that we can't really define? And so this group of people decided to ask a group of four to eight-year-olds what they thought love was and get their responses. Do you want to hear what they said? Their responses were both funny and profound. To the answer of "What does love mean?", Rebecca, age eight, said this: "Well, love is when my grandmother gets got arthritis. She couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore, so my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when her hands have got arthritis too. Now that's love. How good's that?" Billy, age four, says, when someone loves you the way they say your name is different, you just know that your name is safe in their mouth. Carl, age five, says, I love Carl, love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on cologne and they just go out and smell each other. (laughs) Terry, age four, says, love is what makes you smile even when you're tired. Emily, age seven, says, love is when you tell a boy that you like his shirt and then he just goes and wears it every day. (laughs) Danny, age seven, says, love is when my mummy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip of it before giving it to him just to make sure that it tastes okay. Bobby, age seven, says, this is profound. He said, love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you just stop opening presents and listen. Emily, age eight, says, Love is when you kiss all the time. And then when you get tired of kissing, you still want to be together and then you talk more. My mummy and daddy are just like that. They look gross when they kiss. <laughs> Nico, age eight, says, If you want to learn to love better, you should start with someone who you hate. many of you know, we need a few more Nickos in the world right now. Lauren, age four, says, This is a classic. Lauren, age four, says, I know my older sister loves me because she gives me all of her old clothes and then she has to go out and buy herself new ones. (laughs) If only you knew, Lauren. If only you knew. (laughs) Tommy, age six, says, Love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends even after they know each other so well. Cindy, age eight, says, about what is love. She says, well, during my piano recital, I was on stage and I was scared. I looked at all the people watching me and I saw my daddy waving and smiling. He was the only one doing that. I wasn't scared anymore. That's how I know my daddy loves me. Jessica, age eight, says, you really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot because people forget. Uh, Out of the mouths of babes. But you know, the Bible has actually defined what love is. The, the Bible has defined what real love is, and it's not the way the world sees it. In 1 Corinthians 13, we actually hear how God lays out what his kind of love looks like. 1 Corinthians 13 says, If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, My words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. If I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. If I were to be so generous as to give away everything I own to feed the poor, if I offered my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements, nor inflate its own sense of importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated, and it's quick, and it's, nor is it quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. How good. You know, we had our relationship series in church a couple of months ago, and actually through that series in my daily Bible reading, 1 Corinthians 13 came up, and that's when I flicked to the Passion Translation to read it. And I remember I was sitting, and I was reading it, and I had my journal open, and And I thought as I read back through a scripture that I'd read a lot of times, I thought, you know, what I want to make sure is that I kind of hold up this scripture as like a selfie and ask myself the question, how am I going loving others like this? And I started to read through that like it was a checklist. Love is large and incredibly patient. And then I started to think about all the places I was not patient. I remember putting a cross beside that one with almost like the sense of fail, (laughs) fail, I was, love is gentle and consistently kind to all. And I began to think about times I wasn't consistently kind, and I was like, cross that one. I started to go through the list, and I found that there was probably more crosses than there were ticks. And as I was reading it, I became kind of, what I would say, very, very aware that I was falling short on quite a lot of those uh, markers for what the God kind of love looks like. In fact, I got to a point as I was reading, I was like, I started to feel condemned by it. You know, I had this moment as I was sitting there, and it's a moment where I just felt God speaking into my heart. Have you ever had a moment like that where you just kind of, God just turns the light on in a moment? As I was feeling condemned, I felt like God spoke these words in my heart. Andrew, was this written to make you feel condemned? Or was this written to draw you closer to the heart of Jesus? You see, what I realized in that moment, I wasn't meant to see this passage as a checklist. I was meant to see this passage as a prayer. And in my journal, this is what I wrote down that day. I wrote this Jesus, your love is doing a work on the inside of me. Help me to love the people around me more and more with the same love that you show me. Not like the world loves, but help me to love like you love. And Lord, today, help me to grow in my love for others as your love grows in me. Then, in big bold letters, this is what I wrote at the bottom of my journal The source of this love is from God, it's not from us. And here's what I've discovered. If we try to show this kind of love to others without getting it first from God, we'll always fall short. Jesus one day was asked this question by a religious expert. The religious expert was basically asking him, Jesus, help me to work out what's the greatest commandment. There's all these laws. Help me to figure out what's the greatest commandment of them all. And Jesus' response was interesting. He says, I can't give you one commandment. I'm going to give you two commandments, and they're inseparable. He says this, Matthew 22, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But then Jesus introduced a new concept to them because they'd heard about the first one. They'd heard many times about loving the Lord their God with all their heart, their mind, their soul and their strength. But now Jesus was about to introduce something radical and something very new to them. And then he said this, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And what Jesus was doing in the moment wasn't just challenging this religious expert, he was actually challenging us about what our limited view of what love actually looks like. He went on after this actually to tell the story of the Good Samaritan and the parable of the Good Samaritan because Jesus was trying to communicate about this kind of love, that this kind of love that he was talking about was not a love that was actually reserved just for a select few people in our life. No, no, this kind of love was a love that we were to show to everyone. Do you know in the Greek language there there were four different words they would use commonly for love? You know, in our English language we say, we say love. Well, I love chocolate and I love my wife. All in the same. It's sort, of like, it's sort of like this idea that it's, it's a limited idea when we say the English word love. But to the Greeks, they had a, a profound understanding of love because there was different words for it. There was the word storge which means a natural affection. That was the love that was experienced oftentimes in family. They use another word called phileo, which was the the idea of brotherly love. It was a love that's often seen in friendships. Then there was the word eros, where we get the word erotic. It means a physical love or a physical desire. But none of those words was the kind of love that Jesus spoke about. He used the word agape. The word agape is unconditional love. It's the God kind of love. Agape love is 1 Corinthians 13. It's the love that God loves us with. It's the kind of love that God showed us when He saved us. It's a love that's not based on our performance or even our response to Him. It's actually a love that flows from out of the character and the heart of God Himself. Here's a definition of agape love. Agape love is the intentional, unconditional expression of God's love that chooses to love, care, serve, and sacrifice for others, regardless of the cost or the response. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates His own love for us, agape love, in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, before we ever believed in God, before we, before we ever possibly had any chance whatsoever to deserve His love, the Bible says Jesus put Himself on the cross And he died for us. And what I love about that passage is this. It shows us that Jesus didn't die on the cross on the condition that we would one day give our lives to him. Now, agape love was was Jesus showing us what the God kind of love looks like. That he would choose to love us. That he would choose to die for us. And he would do it regardless of the cost to him or even our response. And it was agape love that Jesus was speaking about when he said... The two great commandments are that we love God first and then we love people second. And here's what's so powerful about what Jesus was saying. Jesus was telling us that to agape love our Lord, our God, and to agape love our neighbor, there has to be a transformation of the heart that happens. 1 John 4 verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. In other words, when we receive the love of Jesus into our life, our heart is transformed. And now what happens is we're empowered to love people in a whole new way. That's why Jesus said there's two great commandments. They're inseparable. And that's because the first commandment is what makes the second commandment possible. When God's love fills our heart, then it's, it's that love that we can show to others. Do you know when I got saved when I was 18 years old in our church... I mean, I came into the church, I'd never had any background in church at all. I came into a church service like this one here, and in a moment like this, I just felt for the first time in my life, God's love touched my heart. And I'll never forget that moment, and I'm sure you wouldn't either in your life. And I remember just that, that experience of God's love filling my heart for the first time, and the joy and the peace that came with that. And it wasn't just in the service, it was literally in the days and the weeks after. I just felt like my heart had been completely empty. And that God has just decided that he's just going to pour out his love and his love and his love again and again in my life. And I remember I was going to uni and I was getting a bus back and forth to uni. And, and it was just this experience of God's love just, just beginning to move in my heart, transforming my heart. And I remember as I was driving, I was like, I, I need to somehow show this love to other people. I remember I looked outside the bus, uh, the bus on the way to uni, and there was like a, a thing up there about a respite center, and there was senior citizens who'd it, meet every Tuesday at 11 o'clock. So one day, I just pressed the button. I went inside of the respite center. I said, Do you anyone to help with the senior citizens thing? He looked at me like, well, who is this guy? No one does this. I said, I'd just love to help. I'd love to just help these people. Anyway, so literally next Tuesday, I ended up there with about 45 senior citizens and we had some food together and then we played board games I hadn't played for a long, long time like chess and bang- was it, backgammon and all these sort of things and had a great time and, and just trying to serve them and love them and help them. And I, but here's the thing. I didn't do that because I felt some religious obligation that now as was a Christian. No, actually I, I did that because I wanted to show... The God kind of love that was filling my heart to other people in my world. Agape love had filled my heart. And guess what? It just needed an outlet. John, Jesus says these words. He says, a new command I give you. Jesus says, this is a new command. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So here's the question I want to close on this morning. How do we show the God kind of love to people in our world. How do we show it? I want to, I want to give you this thought about relationships. Just, just one thought about relationships. And that's this. If you're having trouble with people, maybe the problem isn't people. Maybe it can be about what's going on on the inside of you. There's a great story of two sisters in the Gospels. These two sisters are named Mary and Martha. It says this. In Luke chapter 10, it says, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into their home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? That sounds a lot like my teenagers at home. Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, listen to this, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. Mary has worked it out and it will not be taken away from her. You see, this story is actually a story about Martha who's having relationship problems with her sister. But Martha's real problem wasn't her sister. Martha's problem was actually what was going on on the inside of her. What was going on in her heart and what was going on in her mind. Jesus, as he always does, nailed the real issue. He said, Martha, you're worried. You're anxious. You're upset over all these details. I get it. You're frustrated with your sister right now about what she's doing, about what she's not doing right now. But then he says to her, Martha, there's one thing that will change everything. Do you know what it was? It was an invitation that Mary had said yes to, and that was to draw near to Jesus. The invitation was saying, Mary's discovered the one thing that changes everything in our heart and our relationships, and that's to let agape love fill your heart again. You see, I wanna encourage you today. There is one thing that changes everything in our relationships. It's letting the love of God fill our hearts. When the love of God fills our hearts, it changes everything, not just in here, but in how we love and how we relate and how, and how we forgive and how we let things go. In Luke 10, it says this, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. Listen to this. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. Listen to this. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. A few weeks ago, I was sitting down. I was was thinking about a particular relationship in my life. I was thinking about this person who's pretty close in my world. And as I was sitting there thinking about him, I was actually thinking about the times in the last six months that I've reached out to this person, and just gotten no response. just a couple of different ways I'd reached out to them and just in kindness and just trying to open the door, reopen the door of this relationship. And I was reaching out and I was just getting no response. And I was in a time when I was just sitting down and thinking about it, I was like, "Well, I'll just move on." And I thought, that's okay, I'll just, I'll just move on. And there was a moment with God, you know where God just kind of gets right there to the point of the issue in my heart. As I said those words literally in my heart, well, it's time for me just to move on from this relationship. God spoke to me and said, Andrew, is that how I love you? And there was a moment where I realized this is exactly what Jesus was talking about, that how he wants us to love God and love people. And that Jesus wants me to love others with the same kind of love that he shows me. that God is a God who shows us his love but he shows us without regard to the cost or even the response that we give and that my greatest gift that I can bring is is to bring into that relationship and into the relationships of others in my world agape love a love that chooses to express the love of God to love to care to serve to sacrifice for others without without considering either the response or the cost would you close your eyes all across this place just in this moment i know the agape love of god it's the thing that changed my life i'd I'd known i'd known i'd known great friendships great family who loved me to bits but i tell you there's a higher kind of love that you and i can experience and it's the love of the god who made us The the love of the God who sent his only son to die on the cross for us. And the love of the God who says, now I have a great plan and a great future for you. It says in the book of Revelation, these are the words of Jesus. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. You know what I've learned? Our heart has a door. But the handle is on the inside. That means that you and I can open that door and we can close that door. Jesus says, I stand at the door. He says, I'm knocking and I'm calling your name. He says, if you would just open that door, I will come into your life. And I tell you, when God comes into your life, He just fills your heart with His love. He changes you. He transforms you. Maybe you're here today. and Maybe it's this moment right now. And you know, you sense even right now that God is knocking on the door of your heart. In a moment, we're going to pray together. And I'd love to include you on this prayer. We're going to pray all together to invite Jesus into your heart. Or maybe you know this morning you prayed this prayer before, but you know that you've drifted away from God. Well, this morning, why don't you come back to Him? God loves you and He is for you in every way. He's the God who forgives and restores. So just where your eyes closed across this place, what I'd love you to do is just respond right now and say, yes, Andrew, would you include me on that prayer this morning? Just very quickly, would you just slip your hand up just so I can see it, if that's you, and then you can put it down. I'd love to include you on this prayer this morning. Over there, is that you reaching out this morning? That's awesome. Thank you over there. I can see your hand. Is there anyone else here this morning and you want to come back to God? Thank you. That's wonderful. I can see your hand this morning. That's so awesome. Anyone else here this morning? And you want to give your heart. Is that over there? Just quickly, just lift your hand up this morning, just so I can see it. And then you can put it down. That's wonderful. Just want to give us five more seconds before we finish this morning. I feel like there's just one more person right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. I can see your hand. That's wonderful. God is amazing. He loves you and He's for you in every way. We're going to say this prayer all together, but hey church, could we say this all together? Maybe you're online as well. We'd love you to say this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, This morning, I open the door of my heart to you. And I invite you in as my Lord and Savior. God, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean and make me new. Today, I put my trust in you, my faith in you. And Lord, help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, hey church, we had a bunch of people who said yes to Jesus this morning. Can we celebrate with them this morning? Come on, let's celebrate the greatest decision you can make. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au